0: This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Lisa Faberga is a leadership coach who helps ambitious people expand their capacity to handle more growth, wealth, and success. For more than 10 years, she has helped entrepreneurs, corporate executives, Academy Award nominees, and Nobel Prize organization candidates break through boundaries that have been holding them back from their next level. Lisa, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: I'm glad you'd be here, too. And I always like to share behind the scenes with my listener. And this is kind of an interesting start of my day. I just got back from my three-mile run outside of the 91-degree heat here in Houston. And I get a text from Lisa saying, where are you? our interview schedules for now? And I'm like, "Uh, no, it's three hours from now. Long story short, I'm sitting here unshowered, still sweating from my run. But because the podcast streak must go on, here I am creating this episode for you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, it's a, like it's a capacity builder, even just having to deal with little challenges like this.
0: <laughs> yes. It, you know what? It, it makes life interesting. And I'll look at the bright side. I've got an open spot at 11 o'clock today. <laughs> so, all right. So let's talk about breaking through boundaries. Um, I see a lot of people as my clients and on social media, there are boundaries that we can't control. But I want to talk about the boundaries that we can control. So you take it away.
1: Yeah. I think that in my work with people, what I've noticed is the boundaries that we can control are primarily the boundary that we don't think about, which is the boundaries with ourselves. So we may not be able to control what other people do or whether people are going to push back on our boundaries, but there are self boundaries. And what I mean by that is, what do you allow yourself to think about, right? I used to have this uh, experience where I would wake up at 4am and I would just go into this kind of panicked thinking and it would affect my sleep. And then the next day I wasn't as sharp because I had been stressed out all night thinking about all these anxious thoughts. And I had to learn to actually set a boundary with myself and tell myself, we're not going to go there because I read an article that said that people who... Uh, Wake up at 4 a.m. and tend to have a certain part of their brains turned off. And that part is the the one that protects you from having the negative doomsday type of thoughts. And so when I learned that, I said, I'm going to set this boundary with myself and I'm not going to go there. And it was hard. You know, the first week I was used to going there and I had to keep reminding myself, no, no, no. And my sleep improved, my productivity improved. The next day, I wasn't having all these issues that I was having before with my sleep. So that's a small example of a boundary we can set with ourselves. There's many others I could give.
0: I think two boundaries that we need to set for ourselves is stop watching the news and stop mindlessly, endlessly scrolling on social media, because then, correcting from if I'm wrong here, we're allowing other people unconsciously to set our own boundaries.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think being very clear in our boundaries is a challenge in and of itself, because I think a lot of times we do allow other people's boundaries to determine our boundaries. But I would say if you want to look into what boundaries should I be setting for myself, it's very simple. It sounds overly simplified, but what makes you feel good and what makes you not feel good? So, you know, looking at a piece of chocolate cake, for example, you know that might look really good and it might feel really good when I'm eating it. But maybe an hour later, I don't feel well. Maybe a week later, I still don't feel well from the gluten and the sugar in that cake. So getting very aware as to how things make you feel and how they impact the rest of your day and your week and even your month will help you get clear on what boundaries you need to set with yourself.
0: Why do people pushback on setting boundaries? I I dealt with clients before and they know they should set boundaries. They know what boundaries they should set, but I don't know. They're not strong enough. They don't have the willpower. Why do people struggle with setting boundaries?
1: I think number one, we care a lot what other people think of us. And we are afraid of upsetting someone with a boundary, or we are afraid that it's going to push them away, or it's going to make a deal fall through. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing in terms of why we have trouble keeping them and why we, we may fold when someone pushes back is the same thing. It's that we're concerned about what the other person is thinking. But for if, if that's you and you're listening to this, I have a great little story that I heard from Oprah, where she said that she, you know, can you imagine how many requests she gets on a daily basis? So she has to have a lot of boundaries. And she says that she'll always deny the request if it's a no for her. And if the person pushes back a second time, she'll once again restate her no. If they push back a third time, she knows that person does not care about her at all and she's not doing business with them because a person who has healthy boundaries will understand your boundary and respect it. So even if you're having trouble holding to your boundaries, start observing who's actually respecting the boundaries and who isn't. Um, The other little piece I want to add to that is part of what makes setting boundaries uncomfortable is that we don't set expectations when we're entering into relationships with people that are clearly stated. And so what ends up happening is we get into this uncomfortable position where there are all these unspoken agreements or assumptions. And then all of a sudden, when it's kind of too late, we have to set a boundary and it risks being a little bit more explosive and a little more confrontational. And so then we fold because most people don't want to be in a confrontation. So the solution to that is set really clear expectations. And if you set a clear expectation from the beginning and someone bristles at it, that's really important information. I'm hiring right now and I asked someone for references and they got defensive when I asked them for references. That was a boundary for me and immediately I got information, oh, I don't want to hire this person if they get defensive right from the get-go when I'm asking them for a basic of hiring someone. So,
0: let's let's imagine someone's listening to this conversation and they go, "Okay, Lisa, I get it." I don't have boundaries or I have very weak boundaries. How do I go about establishing boundaries? Because I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be unprofessional. I don't want to upset anyone, but I understand the value of boundaries. So guide us to how we could either fortify our current boundaries or create boundaries.
1: So it starts with practice. And if you are someone who feels really afraid of setting boundaries, I would actually pick some people that you feel safe Setting boundaries with there are, you know, there's a spectrum of people in our lives and some people we feel really safe being completely direct and honest with and others we're not so sure. (laughs) So I would pick someone who's close to you, who you feel safe with, who loves you very much, who's willing to practice with you. And you could say to them, it could be a partner, it could be a best friend, a family member. And you could say to them, Hey, I'm working on this thing where I want to improve my boundaries. So I'm going to set some boundaries with you this week. Would you be willing to practice this with me so I can get better? And if it's a person who you're close with and wishes you well, it's a great baby step to take where you don't feel like it's such a huge leap and it's you know a professional situation. You get a little practice and you sort of start building your capacity to set the boundary in a safe space.
0: I remember way back in... September of 2017 episode 18 was my first interview on the podcast and I did exactly what you just said I asked people who I knew who I was friends with because I I didn't know how to do interview somebody and I said look at will you be my guinea pig and now I've interviewed over 550 people whatever but I started with people who I knew and who would not you know who would give me the grace if I, I guess that's what I'm looking for so it's a great idea
1: Yes, I, I, I find that with everything, we want to go big, but take, taking baby steps is really the key to everything, everything. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew. Go slowly.
0: You got Facebook? Well, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page and I have a Facebook group, both under the name of Mr. Productivity. So if you are into Facebook, if you love Facebook, go look me up on Facebook. Just look for Mr. Productivity. Hmm. And going back to Oprah, you know, I do a lot of research and reading of successful people. I'm fascinated what they do. And one thing that I want to listen to understand is successful people say no way more than they say yes. And this goes to boundaries because that no is setting up boundary. A lot of people, we like to be people pleasers. We don't like to say no to people, but you can't be on the PTA and run your business and be a good spouse and be a good parent and help your neighbors and and, uh, serve on this committee. You only have so much bandwidth. And I think we need to harness the power of no. Teenagers are really good at it. Infants are really good at it. And I think we lose that ability because saying no politely, professionally, is going to set those boundaries and it's going to give you more freedom to do what you want to do.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Boundaries um, in the work that I do with leaders, there's six big things, areas that I work on with them so that they have more capacity every time they grow bigger and have more people asking things of them are making more money. The stakes are higher. And one of those six things is boundaries because If you don't have good boundaries in place, you cannot get to your next level. Whatever that is for you, whether it be in a relationship, your business, your career, boundaries are essential. Otherwise, you just become, I call it death by paper cut. Everybody's asking you a million things. You're saying yes to everything and your energy is getting diffused across so many channels and you're getting drained slowly. You don't have enough energy to focus on getting to your next level.
0: I don't want you to miss that. She said, not having boundaries is preventing you from getting to your next level. I want you to think about that. So if you say, I don't want boundaries, it's going to upset people. You are stunting your growth. That's what Lisa just said. I want you to hear that. I want to go back to something with people working in the corporate world. Let's let's we're not talking about C-suite people right now. We're talking about people. They're not they may be a managerial position, but their manager are low. They don't want to say no, even though their bandwidth is small. So let's say, for example, you've got a lot of projects and you're maxed out and your boss comes and gives you yet another project. And you're like, well, I guess I can come in at three o'clock in the morning and stay till midnight to work on this. How do we go to our leaders and say, look at, you know, I want to be the best employee for you, for the company, but you're giving me all these projects and I, I don't, I don't have the bandwidth to do it effectively anymore because that is going to scare a lot of people. They're going to go to their boss and say, look, I can't do all this efficiently. How do we handle that?
1: I think that deeper than that, it's a great conundrum, but deeper, I would go deeper with that and say, it's an important conversation to have with your boss because it will show you how much regard your boss actually has for your professional advancement, because a boss that under, that wants you to succeed and wants you to go to the next level and wants you to add to the company or the organization will understand that boundaries are necessary and will encourage you to keep asking for more of what you need so you can do your job best, best or most effectively. If you have a boss that's getting defensive or You know, pushing back or never wanting to listen to the fact that you are saying there is too much on your plate and there's no support being provided, that's when you have to get really honest with yourself, right? Where am I lying to myself about how much I can advance within this organization? Because if you have an organization that's not encouraging employee boundaries and encouraging um, boundaries so that you can have more space to do more of what needs to be done to push the company forward, There's a misalignment going on there. And I would say, get really honest with yourself. It may not be a pretty truth that you end up staring at, but at least it's a truth that you can then carry on and either make needed changes by, you know, requesting from your manager more of what you want or starting to look for another job, because I'm telling you, you will not be able to advance how you want to if you're not allowed to have boundaries within your organization.
0: Mm. That's gold right there. A lot of the people listening to my show are entrepreneurs. So let's talk about boundaries for entrepreneurs. I want you to talk about boundaries we set with our vendors and boundaries we set with our teams.
1: Yes. Oh, this is really good. So um, for most entrepreneurs, they're in the beginning, at least they're functioning as the CEO of the organization. They're the startup founder, all that jazz. <laughs> um, I think that Number one, we have to think about the fact that the boundaries that we are modeling is what our team is going to shape around, right? So if I'm modeling working 12-hour days, messaging people at all, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, expecting two-hour response time over things that are not urgent, My entire team is going to behave that way. And they're going to expect that from me. And it's going to be a very tense, anxious, on edge environment. And you're going to find that you have a lot of turnover. You have a lot of employees that are burning out. I have a uh, CEO that I'm working with right now has a very successful eight figure company entrepreneur. And she was in this terrible habit of checking slack about 80 times a day. (laughs) And I said to her, why are you doing that? You are the CEO, you have a 10 person team. And she's like, but they're, you know, they messaged me and they're expecting a response. I said, because you've trained them that you're available 24 seven. And meanwhile, there were all these initiatives she wanted to take care of to greater publicize the company and things that a CEO needs to be focusing on. And she couldn't because she was in Slack 80 times a day. So we set the boundary that she was only going to check Slack twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And her team, surprisingly, at first they were like, where are you? And she said, remember, (laughs) I'm only checking Slack in the morning, in the afternoon. This caused her team to become more efficient because now they knew to save things to send to her during those times or to understand when she was going to be available so they were kind of forced to solve a lot of problems they kept bringing to her on their own and they became a better team.
0: Wow. that That's that's really cool what you just said. Let's talk about vendors because I know a lot of entrepreneurs, you may have a small shop and you're not a big company like a Walmart or a Home Depot. So sometimes the vendors, they look at you're a little person. H- how do we set boundaries for our vendors?
1: Oh, yes. I just went through this. So I'm going to share a personal story. Um, I am in the process of hiring a marketing director slash Facebook ads whiz. (laughs) And I interviewed many, many people. And a lot of them had a minimum, you know, four-month commitment. In my experience, I've been doing Facebook ads since 2013. That doesn't work for me. It locks me into a contract and if the Facebook ad manager is not good, I'm stuck paying them and getting substandard results for my investment. And so I had to push back. And of course, I was very respectful about it. And I said, listen, I understand. I totally respect that you have this four month minimum commitment. Unfortunately, in my experience, that does not work for me. I need a 30 to 45 day trial period. And I said, if that doesn't work for you, that's absolutely fine. I respect that. Um but I'm, I don't think it's going to be a fit for me. Hopefully we can meet somewhere in the middle. That was um kind of big for me to state that instead of just accept what the vendor's minimum requirement was and it was amazing, you know, the information I got from that is what determined who I hired because one person got defensive and said no. Another person said, "Yes, but then added all these stipulations." It, would not really make it a win-win situation for both of us. Um, and I'm a big believer that we should be in win-win business relationships, not win-lose. And uh, the other one who I'm now going to hire said absolutely, had no drama around it, Was proposed a solution that works for both of us. She brought it down to two months. I heard out her side, why she thought it would be at least two months and not 45 days, made total sense to me. And we made an agreement. And so that's my personal story of working with vendors. A lot of times we can put our companies in a bad position because we think we have to fully accept their terms, but there's a lot of room for negotiation. And if somebody is not open to negotiation, that's giving you some information about them personally and what it's going to be like working more closely with them further down the line.
0: I get it. You want productivity tips, but your email inbox is, well, out of control. When you follow Mr. Productivity on Telegram Messenger, you'll receive daily bite-sized productivity tips delivered to your phone or desktop for free. Let me help you become more productive, step-by-step, day-by-day. Follow Mr. Productivity on Telegram today. I recently had a client, wasn't a client at the time, and we got on one of these calls and they said, yeah, I want to invest in you. And I told them the price and they paused and they go, ooh. And they said, "Can we work out a payment plan?" And I said, "Well, I think I know the owner of the company." I said, "Of course I can. <laughs> I, I, I'm the owner. I can. What, what will serve you?" And so we did like a five, five pay plan, or whatever the case may be. But he, they came to me and said, "Look, I want to hire you, but I can't do it on these terms." Similar to the story you just shared, and I could have said, "Nope, the price is the price. That's it. Take it or leave it." But I am in business to serve people first, not make money. I want to serve people. And if you come across as caustic, like I'm I'm the king and I know all the answers, I'm not going to listen to you, take it or leave it. I don't like anybody like that. For example, there are people in the stratosphere and I'm talking about, you know, the Oprah's and the Tony Robbins, not to name those specifically, but that's the type of people I'm talking about. There are people that I know, and you. if I said the name on the show, which I won't, you know that if you don't pay them a million or two million dollars a year to be in their mastermind, they won't even talk to you. And they used to be nobodies, and now they're like juggernauts. And there are other people in the same stratosphere, uh, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk, I will name his name. If you see him in New York City, you can say hi, get a selfie with him because he doesn't think he's better than anyone else. And I don't want to be the type of person, you know, when I become uber successful, that I ignore people because the people who are fans now, I don't want to ever forget them when I become successful. So let's talk about that for a few minutes.
1: I think that's a wonderful uh, topic you've introduced because I think that people who do option A that you mentioned, um, I think those are glaring capacity deficits, It's what I would call a deficit in the area of your embodiment and embodiment capacity is about your physical, your spiritual, your emotional, and your mental capacity as a leader. And I think that if you rise to a point where you think that you are better than other people, or you don't have time to speak to the very community that is putting you where you are, there's something going on mentally and emotionally there where you're losing your grounding and you're losing your sense of gratitude. And that to me is a capacity deficit. If you look at some of the most successful leaders that actually have long-term success, because you know what? There's a lot of people making millions of dollars. And then a few years later, they're not around (laughs) because they lost that perspective. But it's your audience. It's your community that's put you where you are. And if you look at some of the really big leaders out there that you admire, They still they may not be able to talk to everybody individually based on what's what they're having to handle and their schedule, but they still create experiences that feel like you're still getting to connect at least with the company values or with them directly or with their people and we're actually moving from the information age into what we call the experience age and in the experience age people want that sense of hyper personalization and connection with their audiences so i think that you know people who are missing out on that or who are playing into this whole like i'm above you influencer type of thing you we're already starting to see for example this influencer archetype not make as much money on ad spend and on marketing. And uh, big marketers are starting to go towards smaller companies because they don't want to put up with all the demands of the big influencers that are doing exactly what you're talking about. So I think it's smart to to stay grounded in what has created your success and understanding that it's your audience. And so you have to keep connecting with your audience and appreciating them.
0: I will never forget, this is a number of years ago, the first time someone came up to me at a speaking event and said, hey, can I take a picture with you? That was my first, and I'll never forget that because I'm like, oh my gosh. And I had like visions of Gary Vaynerchuk in my mind, but it was so cool. And I remember telling my wife on the way home, I said, I never want to lose that feeling. So 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, when someone wants a picture of me, I want to have that same feeling as that first one because this person followed me. This person loved what I did, and I don't want to ever think, oh, well, you're just a follower. I'm the guy. I don't want to be that jerk, and I told my wife, if I ever get like that, smack me upside the head because that's not who I want to be. I want to be someone who's approachable, so if I'm in out in public at a store or something like that, and and you see me, oh, you're the guy in Mark Szczewski Podcast, I'm like, yeah, I'm not better than you. I, I have a platform on the podcast or I'm on Facebook or LinkedIn, whoever the case might be, but I'm not better than anyone else. And I don't like following the people who think that they're better than everyone else, like their poop doesn't stink. I don't want to follow people like that. I want to talk, follow people who are a real human being, like you and me, because we can resonate with people like that. I remember a couple of years ago, I was thinking about reaching out to A listeners for my podcast, you know, like Mark Cuban and stuff like that. And several of my listeners wrote into me. They actually emailed me and says, don't do that. I can't relate with a Mark Cuban. I can't relate with a Tony Robbins, but I can relate with a Lisa. I can relate to a Mark. And I'm like, isn't that fascinating?
1: That is fascinating. And then there's this flip side, right? Because I've had people recognize me on the street and I'm always delighted to talk to them. But then I, I can understand sometimes why some people go to the extreme, not that it's justified, but I've had also people, uh, I had a woman stalk me at a conference once. <laughs> it was a scary experience. She um, saw that I, that's this is why I don't post my location anymore. Um, I posted that I was at this conference and she was in the area and came to the conference without a ticket. And I think she had asked my my assistant for I'm from Panama and she was traveling to Panama and wanted to know all my top recommendations, which has nothing to do with my business. So my assistant wrote her and said was very helpful and said, here are a couple links you might want to check out. And I guess she was mad that I didn't personally reply to her with my Panama travel recommendations. <laughs> And she pulled me aside and kind of cussed me out. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So there's a little... I can understand a little bit of the wanting to be private, but um, but I'm delighted when someone comes up to me. And I agree with you. I think, again, because we're moving into the experience age, we want to feel like we're relating to the people that we're following. And what you're talking about is just being relatable, you know, being... So, Like you said, looking at a Mark Cuban, it feels like they're not even real, right? What What can I do? Like where I am versus where Mark Cuban is, is an ocean of distance. Most people want to know what the next step is. And they're looking, I always tell my clients, you're always just five steps ahead of your ideal client, always.
0: That is so important because I remember I had imposter syndrome when I first got into productivity and I'm like, who am I? And I remember I had a a coach at the time. He says, look at, like you just said, you only have to be a few steps ahead of people. You're going ahead. You're like the trailblazer. You're, you're, you're chopping down the weeds with your machete and making the path. You don't have to be the expert because I had a big problem calling myself an expert because in my mind, I'm a fixed tech. Facebook expert, which means I know everything about Facebook. Look, nobody knows everything about everything, okay? You may be really good at Facebook or productivity or whatever the case may be, but I once heard Brendan Burchard say, we have to be students first, and I constantly am learning. So what I know now in June, I should know more than I learned in January. And so I really believe that experts should be students first. Do you agree with that?
1: I cannot agree with you more. I think that the moment I stop learning is the moment I've become a bad coach and leader. <laughs> so I'm always telling my clients, hey guys, I am learning exactly what I'm teaching you guys. Like everything I teach you, I have learned or I'm going through at a different level right now. So I often in my groups, for example, in my group programs, I'll go into the Facebook group a couple times a month and share a live stream about something I'm learning about my capacity that month. I shared the live stream about my hiring experience and the boundaries that I was talking to you about earlier. And all the people in that program were like, oh my gosh, this was so helpful. I, I really got so much out of this. And we're afraid that we're going to be viewed as weak or not good leaders or not know what we're talking about when we share how we are learning too. And it's the complete opposite. People really can learn through our lived experience and they see, like, oh, I'm not some weirdo who doesn't get this, right? Like this person who's teaching me this is also struggling with this, maybe at a different level, but is learning to grow through that as well. And again, that comes back to that relatable thing that you and I were talking about.
0: What is one tip, because I want people to walk away from listening to this conversation with something they could do today. One of the things I don't want people to do is listen and go, oh, was a nice conversation. I felt really good and go on to the next one. I want them to take action. So what is something simple that you would tell the listener that they can do today?
1: I really want to go back to the boundaries. And one thing I'm always telling people, the best thing you can do for yourself is to be bluntly honest with yourself. Don't shy away from looking at all aspects of a situation. And when it comes to boundaries, it's going to be unpleasant at first, but I can tell you personally, it is worth it because it eliminates people and organizations that are not really rooting for you to get ahead. Maybe not consciously, but subconsciously. So get very honest with yourself. For the next two weeks, I want you to practice setting little boundaries that feel safe to you. And notice how people react because two things are going to happen. Number one, people, some people are going to push back and you're going to get the experience of, wow, does that person actually mean me well? My eyes are opening. Maybe I shouldn't be doing so much business with that person and I should shift to doing more business with this other person. Um, number two, then you're also going to have a positive experience because you're afraid to set boundaries, but you're going to get a lot of positive feedback with people saying, sure, of course, and meeting you in the middle. And then it's going to feel less scary to set bigger boundaries later on because you'll realize, oh, the world isn't ending because I set this boundary.
0: I love it. Where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world?
1: You can find me at Lisa Fabrega across all channels on social media. And my website is the same, lisafabrega.com.
0: Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time and your insights.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchewski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchewski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.